With the draft on your mind, which I know it is out there, who are the surprise candidates for round one selections? What is this CB class? How deep is it? And who's part of it at the top and all the way through it? And let's find out who RB1 is. We're going to get into all that today on Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL Draft. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And as always, I'm joined by my guy, Ryan Tracy from Rogue Analytics. And we have a special guest, as always, on this Wednesday's episode, John Harris of FootballTakeover.com. John, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, my organization's still looking for a head coach, so things are kind of crazy right now, but it is draft season spelled SZN. I guess that's the way we, we spell it now. The, the young kids, that's how they say it. So we're going with it. Senior Bowl next week. Shrine Bowl is coming up. So uh, pretty excited about all the things going on in draft world. Awesome, man. So, you know, we're jumping into it, man. And we want to talk about some surprise round one candidates. And I guess we'll start with you, Ryan. When you think of a surprise, and there, there's one big surprise for me, but for, for you, What's the one guy that kind of maybe jumps out where you're like, man, people are kind of mocking him first round. You don't see that type of talent in him. Oh, so something that I disagree with? Sure. I mean, it's pretty easy to find something like that, right? <laughs> um, I'm I'm really hung up on what have you done and what that means going forward. It's not necessarily a one-to-one. Just because you were successful at a given task in college doesn't mean you can make that leap. One guy that I've watched – that I think really fits a certain style of defense and a certain style of team is Trent McDuffie. And I like his play. I like him obviously in zone. He plays it all the time, but does that mean that there's going to be a zone heavy enough team that's going to take him in that top round? Mm. I've seen it a couple of times and I, I have him right there in that kind of like 40, 45 range. I don't know that it's going to actually get all the way up there in the top 32. Maybe I'm wrong. Now I see some rankings that have him as, one of their, you know, top three corners in this class. And I'm like, man, like, I, I have to see more. Maybe, maybe I just haven't dove into them enough. I've watched some film. I've watched them all 22 of them. Uh, I see super zone heavy. I haven't been able to see the traits that just pop off to me. You know, obviously we, we've seen Byron Murphy come out of Washington and I believe they have like kind of similar traits and ability. And Murphy was one of the top guys taken at the, at the top of the second round. I think McDuffie, I feel like that we even saw even a little bit more with, with Murphy, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. I got to dive more into it. Uh, John Harris, who kind of sticks out to you as a guy right away where you're like, you know what? They have him projected going high. I'm seeing some mocks early coming out. And they're like, man, first round, not quite sure about that. Well, I, one that's going to be really interesting to me, and I know this is going to sound sort of odd, but I really like him as a player. But I don't know if his dimensions are going to work against him playing that particular position that he does, and that's the Kobe Dean from Georgia. I'm a big yeah. fan of the way that he plays. I remember watching Roquan Smith and thought, whoo, man, Roquan's one of the better space linebackers I've seen. This dude is no, no joke. I think the Kobe Dean is going to come into the league and do some really good things. But 
I don't think he's going to test ultimately well. And I think teams are not going to be um, – I don't think that teams are going to jump on board of a guy that's maybe six foot, 230. I mean, I don't shy too much away from that. But I could see some teams that are like, you know what? Oh, I see some guys that are, you know, like Chad Muma to me from Wyoming. I think he's a surprise going the other way, which is I think he's a surprise. Not a lot of people are talking about him, but I think he's a surprise to get into round one because he is 6'3", 242, and has the speed that N'Kobe Dean does. He just played at Wyoming, sort of like a certain quarterback we saw the other night uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think Muma ends up being one going the other way. I think N'Kobe Dean is going to end up going in the first round. But I think that maybe he's not going to go as high as people think because I don't think he's got the measurables and the dimensions that teams are looking for. Even in a 2022 NFL linebacker, I still think he may fit a little bit shorter, a little bit smaller, and maybe a hair slower than some of the, the guys that we're talking about. Devin Lloyd, 6'3", 230, 235. Chad Muma, 6'3", 242. I mean, those guys are gazelles too. So N'Kobe Dean would be one for me, even though I love his – football play I mean if I put up there what I want to see the linebacker I just think his measurables are going to be one thing that maybe sets him back a little bit for teams that are going to be picking especially at the back half of the, of the first round All right so Ryan is there anybody for you that where you're like you know what I think this guy will be a surprise first round pick you know there's there's several to tell you the truth but I, I want to just touch back it could be a revolution that the the west coast guys go first Right, John, between yes. those two that you just mentioned. Yes. I I think that's a, a bit of a departure. I'm trying to see. I, I I think that he should be solidly in the first round. I just feel like it's a little bit iffy in terms of consistent play. Um, I think DeMarvin Leal goes in the first. I've heard a lot of people complain about snap-to-snap -snap consistency yes. and that he's seeing a lot of uh, negative points on that. I think for me, man, is. You know, I love my wide receivers, defensive backs, but Drake London, you know, I, I saw Mel Kuyper mock him as high as 10th overall to the New York Jets, and I like Drake London. I like him a lot. You know, big frame, athleticism, but I'm not so sure I just saw on film just pure, hey, this is a, a pure round one receiver. We've seen some guys like him in recent years, whether it is like Mike Williams that was out of Clemson. Uh, a few years back, that guy that maybe doesn't create the most separation, but wins with his body and physicality. I mean, we saw a guy coming out of the USC in recent years, and Michael Pittman, he was drafted at the top of the second round. I think that's more the, the range for Drake London. So unless he goes out there and blazes like a 4-3, I'm going to be curious to see if he's someone that can not only go first round, but as Mel Kuyper said, go top 10. That That's going to be pretty intriguing. Yeah, Drake London to me is a guy – Again, going back to kind of N'Kobe Dean, the flashy things like against Michigan, you saw N'Kobe Dean run from one side of the field to the other to track down Blake Corm on the fly. It's like, wow, that's – but then you look at the measurables and go, ooh. Well, Drake London, I think – I remember watching him in 2020, the COVID season, and I thought, boy, this guy's got some ball skills, but, man, he takes him a long time to get into his route. And if there's one thing – I know I see on a, on a weekly basis, uh, and you guys know this too, man, you better get to your route and you better get to your spot quickly. Because if you can't, DBs are going to be draped all over you. I don't think people understand really how good defensive backs are in the NFL. Because they watch a the game and they're like, oh, that guy gave up a completion. Yeah, you know how much distance was between them? It was like, <laughs> it was like you know, not even four or five inches. You know, the one thing about Drake London, though, that I think will help him, and it, it helps a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who I got a chance to watch here. The best asset that Drake London has is he's got glue sticks for hands. 
So, okay, if you're not going to yeah. get separation, then you better catch every damn thing that's thrown your way. So from that perspective, I can see it. But you use Mike Williams as a great example. Look how long it's taken, it's taken Mike to really become the guy that we kind of thought he was going, he was going to be. And we knew Mike ran a 4-4. I think it'll be a stretch for Drake to get in that 4-4 range. Right. Big time ability, uses his body extremely well. That's going to be something that we definitely keep an eye on. You know, but another thing we're keeping an eye on is the Super Bowl. And right now, Super Bowl predictions, who's going to be there? All right. One place where you can kind of find all that information out is onlinegambling.com. You know, onlinegambling.com, if you're looking for an edge these days, then that's the place for you to go. And they are one of our title sponsors for this podcast today. If you don't know already, onlinegambling.com is a website dedicated to giving betters the edge. Throughout the playoffs, they are providing you with the best NFL tips, news, and more to help you make the most informed bets as ever. At the beginning of the playoffs, the experts at OnlineGambling.com asked me to show off my prediction skills and pick my Super Bowl finalists, which were Kansas City Chiefs, Dallas Cowboys. Clearly, I'm a little off on the Dallas Cowboys one, but now, you know, they're kind of giving me, the, you know, another chance to really make some picks heading into the NFC Championship game and AFC Championship games. You know, if you are planning on placing a bet during the playoffs, Make sure you head over to OnlineGambling.com right now before you do. OnlineGambling.com gives you the best betters edge that you can have. And they are providing the best and most trusted experience online all day, every day. This includes their OG tips section where you'll find their own Super Bowl picks as well as the inside track on how to be odds throughout the playoffs. All right. Make sure you guys visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL for all the latest gambling news tips, and odds to give you the edge throughout the playoffs. Remember, it's onlinegambling.com slash NFL to make sure that you make the most of this year's NFL playoffs. RB1, I think in a lot of classes, typically it's clear. You know, it's last year it was like, okay, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. Even if you were kind of split on which one was RB1, you knew those guys kind of deserved to be there and were potential first-round picks. All right, Previous years, same thing. We typically know, like, who's the best running back in the class. This year, I, I have no idea. I'm leaning towards <laughs> Isaiah Spiller. I think this might be something that's just like, you know, what's your flavor of running back and style? Because I don't, I'm not sure that there's just that one guy that the NFL – guys can hang their hat on being uh, just – he's for sure the RB1 in this class. John, I'll start with you. What are you kind of thinking uh, when it comes to the running back class? Well, to me, I, I feel like three guys separate themselves from everybody else. I feel like Reese Hall, Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Walker. I like Kyron Williams, but I don't know that I that Kyron Williams screams elite breakaway two and through holes and just – I love his pass protection. Now his pass protection is absolutely elite. He is that way. I think a surprise in this class is going to be Rashad White from Arizona State. I absolutely love this guy. He looks like a receiver. But at running back, you go, uh, Hassan Haskins, I think, is going to be a really fine football player for somebody. But I think it comes down to those three guys. And, you know, it's interesting, Eric, going – you know, I live about an hour and 15 minutes away from, from Texas A&M. And I, I don't want to say I've been hit over the head by Isaiah Spiller. I feel like I was almost harder on Isaiah Spiller – than I was, I was more critical of him because I was watching every single play. Yeah, but I watched him this year, and I'm watching an offensive line, and they were moving pieces around the offensive line and moving pieces around. They can't do their games; they can't do anything. 
They couldn't do squat before the Alabama game. Zach Calzada came in. They could do nothing. But Isaiah Spiller was the one guy that would keep them in it. And at 6'1", 225, and a healthy 225, Spiller was the guy midseason where I was like, you know what? I think that, I think that guy's my RB1. But as I yeah. watched my guy Brees Hall more and more and more, I just realized his receiving ability, his vision. Yeah, he might not be a 4-3 guy, but I really don't care. I don't need my running back to be a 4-3 guy. I mean, shoot, Dalvin Cook was, what, 4-6? I don't need – I just need my guy to see a hole and get the hell through it and pick up five, five yards a clip. I'll be, I'll be living life. And if he can turn one into, uh, you know, a big you know, shot play because he's just burning through that hole, fine, I'll live with it. But to me, Brees Hall and, and Isaiah Spiller are just are – like, are like that. And Kenneth Walker is a shade below him. Look, you can give me any three – any one of the three, and I, I would be happy. I mean, look, we got 30-year-old running backs here in Houston. <laughs> you can give me any one of those three. I'm going to be happy with them. But I think if I got to go RB1, it is Brees by just a hair over Isaiah Spiller at this point. Ryan, I know you've been high on Walker. Who, what is, is that your RB1 in this class, or who, what do you think? Ask me today. It'll be one thing. Ask me tomorrow. It'll be the other. Because <laughs> for me, it's been Walker and Spiller back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. I, I see your point about Hall, John. I just didn't see the couple of games they got to see live. Didn't leave me with, oh, yeah. I got to go get him. He's got to be the top of the class. But I will say this of the entire class, to tell you the truth. I think I'm one for waiting on running backs just in general. We've seen that over the last few years, you can still get quality later in the draft. So for me, I'm more concerned about who's number seven that's going to go at the end of the third or the top of the fourth that's going to make a bigger impact. So right now, today, it's Walker over Spiller for me, Hall third. Um, and then I, I start to play with the Georgia backs. Um, a guy yeah. to keep an eye on, though, that I think might have a chance to rise through this process is Jerome Ford. He's a guy that I like later in the draft that I think has a lot to offer for an NFL team. Yeah, no doubt. Well, another guy that I love, and it depends, I think, whether you're more zone scheme, gap scheme, however you want to be, I think a guy that, that could fit both and is a little bit more of a tank. And look, I'm okay with that. I don't mind it. I mean, you know, I now he's not quite a tank because he runs a four three eight. But I see Jonathan Taylor twice a year, and I just I hate the fact that we forget it. It gets me too mad to think about Jonathan Taylor being a cult and not with us. But that said, Tyler Tyler Algier from out of BYU is a downhill running dude. And oh, by the way, like Abram Smith at Baylor, who's another guy. I think right to your point. Hey, what are your day three finds? I think Abram Smith, the guy from Baylor, but Tyler Argyle are kind of the same way. They both played linebacker at some point in their career. All of a sudden, they turn around, they play running back, and you go, whoa, okay. They got a little bit of juice, and they got a little bit of fire, and they run violently. And I'm okay with guys that run violently. I don't want guys dancing the hole. Sure, I want a guy that gets to and through it, but I don't want a guy dancing, afraid of contact. These guys I know are not going to be afraid of contact. And Abram Smith is a guy I would think day three. I can look at and feel good about getting him in the fifth, sixth round if he's available then, and I think that's where he'll go. But you could give me Tyler Algier in the fourth. I'd be, I'd be plumb happy with that because that dude is a tank at 6'1", 220. John, what, what's your thoughts just on attacking the running back position in the draft? Are you a guy that, you know, believes in taking guys first round, you know, day two? Are you leaning more towards day three? Uh, what's kind of, what would be your draft philosophy when it comes I, to running backs? That's a great question. I, I, I am – uh, not take one in round one guy. I, if I'm going to get one, I'm going to get it in round two. But I'm absolutely going to take a back. If if the guy that's going in round two, it better be a Derrick Henry. It better be a Jonathan Taylor, somebody that I have a pretty high grade on. For example, 
I had, I had Jonathan Taylor number 16 in my Harris 100. Now, I would not have taken him 16. But if I get to the second round and I have a need at the position, I'm absolutely going to snap that guy. I'm going to snatch him up for sure. And again, I think we're all obviously uh, modeled by our experiences. I watched Arian Foster, an undrafted free agent, be the best back we've ever had in, in the history of the organization here. And you can right. just, you know, James Robinson down in Jacksonville, undrafted free agent during the COVID year, rushes for a thousand yards. And then Urban Meyer forgot that he had him on his roster, apparently. So I am absolutely a guy that I'm not taking one around one. I would love to wait until round three if I could. And then if I find that guy, I'm going to, I know this is going to sound horrible, but I'm going to ride that horse till she bucks me. I'm going to give that, I'm going to give that ball carrier 300 plus, whatever, how many ever touches I can give to him in a year. If he proves he's worth it, I'm going to ride him. And then if he breaks down, I'm going to go get another one, two, three years later before I have to pay a second contract. I know it sounds bad, uh, but that's what I would do. If the guy proves, if he proves that he can withstand that, a freakazoid like Derrick Henry, great. Give Derrick Henry a second contract and away we go. But I am, I am draft running backs, middle day two, later, make sure you pick up some value in the later rounds. And then I do not want to give running back second contract, as bad as that sounds. Yeah, and the fact that people don't want to give running backs uh, second contracts and you see kind of the shelf life for those guys and how it just goes downhill really quick. And look at guys like Zeke Elliott got paid, and now he's kind of a shell of himself. Yeah, I'd be less inclined to draft a guy high to where you feel, you know, like, oh, man, I'm obligated to pay this guy because I took him in the top five or in the top ten. And we see that um, yeah. with a lot of these guys. Even uh, Christian McCaffrey, whose body's starting yes. to break down a little bit. Yeah, and to that point – the, if you said to me, you have to take a, a running back in the first round, like you said to me, you have to do it. I would make sure that the one other quality would be that guy's going to catch 70 passes for me in a year. Yeah. Like McCaffrey, because McCaffrey, what I think McCaffrey ought to do is go into the Panthers and say, look, I'm your new slot receiver. I'll go run the ball a little bit, but put me on the slot. I want to go play the slot because that's going to extend my career. I would do that. And by the way, if you draft the running back number two in the draft, Giants, guess what Joe Shane, the new GM, has got to figure out? What do you do with Saquon Barkley? I mean, what do you do? Do you guarantee him a, do you do you guarantee him the fifth year? Do you give him a second contract? You draft the number two overall. You you need offensive weapons. You're absolutely hosed if you take a running back in the first round, especially at pick number two. And Saquon doesn't give you as much as even a guy like Christian McCaffrey gives you, who you got to pick number eight. So when it comes to running backs, uh, I get I get a little worked up. I shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely more of a really like a day three to almost undrafted type guy. Yeah. That's where I'm leaning. Hard. But, you know, we'll get to more of this cornerback class. Is it a deep class? We're going to get into that whole draft discussion. But first, we want to talk to you a little bit about. Gosh, I'm butchering this one, too. Where is this? Okay, hold on. All right, here we go. All right, Locked On NFL Draft fans. You know, I'm here with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, and it's called GetUpside. Our listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app, and it's in your app store, your Google Play store. Right now, when you download it, use the promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up. Get that cash back, and don't pay full price at a pump ever again. Get cash back by using GetUpside. Just download the app right now for free and use the promo code 
touchdown for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Get that back. All right. Some people who drive a lot are they're making as much as two, three hundred dollars a year in cash back. And crazy thing about it, guys, there is no catch. All right, the cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time from your bank account, PayPal, e-gift card, Amazon, whatever it is that you use. Just download the free GetUpside app right now. Again, it's a free app, and you're going to make money back on this. All right, get that $0.25 cents per gallon on your first uh, full tank right now. So, again, use that promo code TOUCHDOWN to get that. And also, we want to tell you a little bit about Built Bar. It's the new year, so you know what that means, New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar into your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar or sometimes even better than the candy bar. You know, Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good and you'll want to eat it. Unlike these other protein bars that are chalky and waxy and it almost tastes like a chemical pill, all right? You want to eat healthy, but sometimes it gets boring. And by like week three, you're thinking, it's just not worth it. Where's my chocolate? Well, I'll tell you where the chocolate is. It's in a Built Bar. The Built Bar is covered with 100% real chocolate. You know, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and, best part about it, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has a lot of empty calories, 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And here's an idea for the new year, all right? Go to all your secret stashes, in your desk, in your cars, in your, in your purse, wherever, and take out all those snacks that do nothing for you and replace them with the Built Bar. And there's so many new flavors from Built Bar. You know, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, my favorite cookies and cream, and salted caramel. They got mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, they're always coming out with new limited flavors all the time. So check back at Built.com often to see what's new. All right, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off of your order. All right, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, guys, let's get into this cornerback group. And, Ryan, I want to start with you. Do you believe, from what you've seen so far, what you're hearing, that this is a deep class? Somewhat. I do. I think you get – obviously, there's always more risk the farther you go down in the draft. Like, I have – what is it? Seven that I'm pretty comfortable with being day one, you know, top 50 picks. If you need to go get that. I think it gets a little thin. Squeezing in the top 100, I think the value point is a little bit pressed. Um, but then when you get into day three, I think you find a lot of value there, and there's a number of guys that you can stack up. For me, it's about where are you selecting and just how big is the priority. I have some questions about the class at the top as well as the bottom. What are you yeah, thinking I, about it, John? Yeah, I, I agree with that because with, with totally with, with what Ryan said because that's kind of my, my issue with it because I look at the top and – Stingley is the guy that you look at the top and I look at him and think, God, he's got every asset, physical asset that you want in a lockdown corner that you want in a guy that just is going to shut down one half the field. I mean, watching Jalen Ramsey up close and watching him work. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's so much fun. I look at Stingley and think that's him. That's the next Jalen Ramsey. He's that guy. But then you flip on whatever little tape there is of Stingley and it doesn't match. And you're like, yeah. the assets are there, but man, the play doesn't, doesn't match. And then I bring up this thought. 
and it's your Niners that get me thinking about this, Eric. I've had this conversation actually with a few people in my building, and that is how teams are actually looking at the cornerback position. And the 49ers are a great example of that, that they've not put a bunch of high-priority selections on corners. They have drafted Nick Bosa in the first round. They did draft Eric Armstead the first round. They did draft DeForest Buckner and then trade him in the first round. They did draft Javon Kinlaw in the first round. But what they didn't do or haven't done is put a lot of the emphasis on corner in their in their draft uh, in their drafts that they've had in large part because they figure you know what look we're going to play a bunch of zone and we feel like we can get maybe not cornerback number one but we can get cornerback number eight or cornerback number ten to give us as much value as taking cornerback number one might be for some teams and I think that your team Eric the Niners is going to be. I would imagine discussed around NFL around NFL draft rooms going, Hey, do we follow this philosophy? Uh, give you another example. I'll use Eric. I'll use me, the Texans. We're a team that plays a lot of Tampa too. We play a ton of Tampa too. Our two corners were Desmond King, Terrence Mitchell. We put Lonnie Johnson out there a little bit. Um, and Lonnie's the, you know, he was drafted in a different defensive scheme, but we play a lot of Tampa too. I, this is going to sound strange because I love Stingley, the prospect. We're sitting at number three. I don't know how happy I would be to draft Derek Stingley at number three because yeah. it's sort of like putting, um, you know, cool ass rims on a '78 Datsun in some sense. <laughs> you know, it's not necessary. Um, and so that's why I think guys later in the rounds, you know, guys like uh, Alante Taylor from Tennessee, whether he plays corner or not, you know, is that a guy we should look at? You know, Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati. I would love yeah. to look at a guy like that. I know he might go a little bit higher than, than, you know, but maybe sitting there in round two, depending on how many picks we get from a certain trade that may or may not happen, you know, because I know Kobe Bryant, even though he could play some man, he would be a good fit for us playing in zone. So our team's going to make that decision sort of like running back and go. Now, obviously everybody needs running back in some sort and everybody needs corners and you need good solid corners, but do you need to have the elite of the elite? because of the scheme that you play. And I think that's a question that a lot of teams are going to have, especially when they look at a guy like Stingley and go, man, ah, we're just not totally sold and convinced on the tape. The prospect, yes. The tape, I don't know. You play a lot of man, okay, Stingley's your guy because he's going to eventually be one of the better man corners in the league. But if you're not playing that much man, I don't know if that ends up being the right approach at the top of this draft. And that's why I asked you guys about this class and what you guys thought about it. Yeah, I, I, I like the class. I think that there is some depth there, but, you know, I, I'm with you. And it's, it's interesting. I've kind of changed my philosophy, and it might be based on watching the 49ers, but the 49ers have the sixth best pass defense statistically in yeah. the NFL, the number three overall defense, without putting any heavy resources into the cornerback position. They've right. in, really built their team from the front out. Now, obviously, when you have a guy like Nick Bosa that you were able to draft that pick number two overall, you know, it – it helps. And you also yeah. have kind of guys loaded across that defensive line with Eric Armstead plays at a high level. Some of the other guys they've been able to have it than Fred Warner at the second level. But I too have been telling people I would probably put more resources into not just my front four or maybe even the linebackers, but probably my safeties as well. Yeah. Because if I can have safeties that have that are versatile and have range and they can cover up some of the deficiencies at the cornerback position, then you can 
at the very least get by because of a good pass rush and those safeties and things like that. So I look at this class, and obviously Stingley, a lot of people have him at the top. Andrew Booth, he's creeping up into that CB1 conversation as well out of Clemson. Um, but you look at guys like Sauce Gardner, uh, Kobe Bryant, like you mentioned that. Some people will view as day one guys. Uh, some will say, ah, no, nah, man, I think Kobe Bryant is more of a early round three type guy. You know, we'll see, and that's crazy because he just won the Jim Thorpe Award, you yeah. know, this past season. Uh, Roger McCrary. That's a guy who I've talked about a bunch on this show, and I'm really high on him. And I like his ability and and his how he can play man coverage and things like that. But again, it's going to come down to what are some of these teams' philosophies and what do they, uh, what do they think, what do they prioritize building their team around? And if they do start to fo- uh, follow kind of the 49ers uh, format of what they've done, and not we're not just talking about this year. I mean, the 49ers haven't taken a cornerback round one since. 2000, maybe like a mob plumber, like 2001 yeah. or something like that, oh, you know, yeah. or Mike Rumpf, maybe Mike yeah. Rumpf, you know, and that was still early 2000s. So it's been a lot of years and the 49ers even then have had a lot of good defenses and it's not because of just this pure shutdown, lockdown corner. Matter of fact, their best cornerback that they have on their roster right now, uh, you know, Emmanuel Mosley, who is a terrific corner. He yeah. plays extremely well. He's an undrafted guy. Yep. <laughs> Started yeah. off on a practice squad. And they yep. just developed him into he had the he had you know he had speed he had uh you know loose hips he had good feet ended up going undrafted and he's the 49ers best corner by far and even then they just extended him this last offseason two years ten million dollars. Yep. I mean I'll I tell just you think, what go ahead, Ron. I, I was just gonna say I think we're gonna see more teams test this concept. We've yes. seen it in Kansas City. We've seen it in other places. Yep. If you get erasers at the safety position, you can get by with lesser talent at the cornerback because you're slowing them down. You're giving the opportunity. I think the cases here for Kyle Hamilton and Daxton Hill are going to be test cases up against Stingley and Booth and Gardner and see where the value lies. This may tell us a lot about where the NFL is as a collective and thinking about this philosophy. I mean, yeah, it goes back to our running back discussion. I mean, how many years ago – uh, was it? I mean, I'm an old head, so I can remember there were there were times we saw four and five running backs go in the first round. We saw we saw uh, two go in the in the in the top five from the same team, Cadillac Williams, yeah. and Ronnie Brown. Yeah, absolutely. Cedric Benson then went, I think, a pick or two later, um, and that's changed. You you won't see that. And I I just wonder, will that? I don't think it'll happen to the to the corners per se, but I do think that there will be different philosophies as it pertains to, you know what, we need a shutdown corner. You know, we play, you know, we play a lot of single high, whether cover three, cover one, we play, we got to lock up. So we've got to go get, we got to go get a guy in the first round. You know, it's funny as we were sitting here talking about corners and I was thinking about the three teams that, that we're closely, um, we're closest to. I thought about Kansas city the other night played against Buffalo and it just hit me. I was like, wait a second, man, Tredavious White didn't even play in that game the other night. He didn't even play. And I'm like, wow, this is one of the better corners. And Buffalo almost wins that game on the road without him. And I don't want to minimize the corner position at all. I know, Eric, you played corner. I mean, I played safety. I don't want to minimize the secondary in any way, shape, or form. But I do think teams are taking a totally different sort of running back type approach to it in that we can get guys that fit our system our way a little bit later. We'll hit those guys a little bit later. And also, while what might give some teams pause is, you know, drafting guys like C.J. Henderson and Jeffrey Okuda so high and 
not really getting that production back from either one of those guys. And I think that might be something that continues. But I know we'll continue to have that conversation right here on Locked On NFL Draft. We want to thank you for making us your first listener of the day. As you know, I appreciate everybody joining us today, listening in. We got Ryan Tracy, we got John Harris, and you will hear from all of us live from the senior ball next week. But until then, we'll see y'all. We're out, man. Peace.